looking around, I finally see I think I need a change The rat race I want to flee My world I'll rearrange I'm getting back to the roots Of how it's meant to be Growing gardens, picking fruit Racing livestock, living free Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, joined by Rachel Jamison again. How are you, Rachel? Pretty good. It's been like 70 degrees here in November. It's unheard of. Yeah, I've been out in a t-shirt for the last two days working around here and, and doing things. Uh, what's going on in the homestead? Um, What is going on in the homestead? I have little baby Brussels sprouts that I'm hoping will actually grow. <laughs> There time for like, that? <laughs> I thought they would grow with snow. Like, I think they'll grow a little bit through the snow. But they're okay. like, I don't know, marble size right now on top, on the stalks. Yeah. The little rustles are. So, I've read they'll grow in the snow. We'll see. Well, let us know. They're a little late. <laughs> I know. Got all your preserving done? Never. Never, never have the it's preserving done. done. But don't you know that on a homestead, it's never done. And if it is, you think up something else to fill that Yeah. Time. Yeah, I pulled some uh, cabbage out of the freezer and did some stuff with it. And, you know, I still got some stuff I'm dehydrating here and there. I, I tried not to do too much, though. I'm slowing way down. I think I've got yeah. most of it done. Yeah. I'm going to be dehydrating a bunch of mushrooms. Somebody gave me a ton of oyster mushrooms. So that's those awesome. Are going in the dehydrator. Yep. Yeah. I've been working on the greenhouse. I, nice. last two days, I. Out? What's that? Did you get sweat out of there? It was hot. It was hot. Yeah, because it's been like in the 60s, you know, upper 60s. And yeah, in that greenhouse, it felt like it was about 90. Um, but I didn't leave the wood stove on. Let's put it that way. Um, but I've got I've got a pond in there. I've got actual fish oh, swimming around in my greenhouse in the floor. It's pretty wild. I was going to say, did you end up digging down there? I dig down. But I'm going to tell you what, I dug that out. And uh, I had planned on going about three feet deep. And at about two feet, I gave up because I'm going to tell you that ground after about a foot got like a rock. I, I was having a heck of a time and it was taking forever. I mean, I, I just spent several hours digging that out and uh, I got it. I got it down a couple feet and I said, good enough. <laughs> that, but at least you're in the ground. And did have you even tried your wood stove yet or has it just been too hot? I've, I've ran it twice. Yeah, I've had fire in there a couple nights last week when it was cold as it got down to low 40s high thirties and yeah, I fired it up and it ran me out of there. It was so hot. <laughs> if you put a hammock in there and a teapot, you may never have to leave. I, I don't think there's room for that, especially now, now that I filled it up with uh, the aquaponic system. Yeah, I got, I, I put, I put that in, I got the shelves in, I've got the, the tubs that I put the grow medium in, in, in there. I haven't filled anything up yet. I haven't, I don't, I'm not circulating it or anything like that yet, but I did put the fish in there. I, I did fill it up with water and put the fish in there. So there's, just goldfish. <laughs> I just took all the goldfish out of the pond and threw them in there. And, and, uh, they seem happy. They're running the length of that thing back and forth. And, uh, I should have it. I think I'm going to try to get it mostly running tomorrow. Um, and maybe get a few things planted. I don't know. We'll see. I, you're going to have to do some videos and blogging. On yeah. I've been taking a lot of pictures and, and yeah. doing a little short videos. I'm going to try to piece together as I've been building it. And, um, 
yeah, I think it's going to work out pretty well as long as I can keep the heat, you know, up in there. That's I I am going to have an electric heater in there on a thermostat that okay. once because, you know, I'm going to stock the wood stove up at night, but I'm, you know, in the middle, right. you know, two, three in the morning, it's going to start dropping pretty quick. And then from that point on, I figure the heater can kick on and run till the sun comes up and, you know, and it'll kind of bounce out. You have trees big enough to collard and coppice to use? Well, I do have a lot that I've cut, um, but also (laughs) we have a camper at the campground, and I cut a lot of wood that I have stacked out there for campfires and stuff. And I'm just going to go ahead and bring that home and cut some new out there for next year for the campfires. Uh, So I have quite a bit out there I'm just going to bring home and and use uh, use it up. I I don't like it being more than a couple seasons old anyway. Yeah, we have some we need to use because it's set around and it's starting to get a little punky. Yeah, yeah. So I'll bring all it home and I should that should probably last me most of the winter, I would think, what I have there. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to get that rocking and rolling. I'm excited for you. I, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah, I've been just sitting in there, just kind of staring. I did, like I said last week, I built a fire and I was sitting there. I bought me a little chair in there and I'm sitting by the wood stove in the greenhouse going, yeah, I'm going to be spending some hours out here this winter. You're going to have to do a few live live shows out there. I'm, you know, I can see it happening. I could absolutely like see it even, happening. Even one of these out there. I don't know if the Wi-Fi will connect real good out there or not. If it will, if it will, I will. If it won't, I might, I could hotspot my phone maybe and do it yeah, that I way. Would, I don't know. I would, I would have a hard time leaving out there. It sounds very cozy. It's going to be neat. It, you got that water running now. That sounds yeah. kind of cool. But now when I, when I actually hit the... Uh, aquaponics up it's only going to probably run just a few minutes every hour as far as the circulation so you won't really hear water running except for i now i'm thinking about i think it only ran like five minutes an hour to circulate that water to just keep it going keep everything wet and it would fill up and then go down and um and it was only like five minutes an hour so it doesn't run a lot it's just that's but that's good you know you keep the electric bill down that way with the pump running and and i actually think with it running that little and with the size of pump I, i have it might even be something like next year. I might even look at like maybe getting a couple solar panels and a little battery set up and try to run that solar. I don't know. It'd be something to experiment with maybe next year. This year, I think I'm just going to yeah. keep it, you know, we there. But a couple of yard cameras because we had, you know, bad neighbors for a long time. But um, <laughs> they just have these little tiny, I don't even know, maybe eight by 10. They might be a little smaller. Yeah. Solar panels on them. We never had to charge them, even though they would take multiple videos an hour. A pump would probably take something pretty heavy duty, I would think. Yeah. Uh, but I think it could be done pretty easy. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I will see how that goes. I still have to have power out there for the electric heater when it does kick on because yeah. you're not going to run that on a solar panel probably. Not anything I'm going to put out there anyway. Not not one that small. Um, but yeah, I just more more uh, things, experiments to, to run in the I'm future. Fun. But we'll That's see how fun. it goes this year. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited. That sounds fun. Yeah, I gotta take on little experimental tasks every year to keep myself occupied. I I, I think I'm gonna do the microgreens. Micro I I just did the aquaponics on one. I was thinking about doing it on both sides of the greenhouse, but I just did it on one side, and I'm just gonna set the shelves up on the other side. And I think I'm gonna do my microgreens and stuff out there instead of in the kitchen this year too. And I just love, yeah, have it all out there. You know, I get it. I mean, my kitchen right now sometimes it feels like it gets cluttered when you start having all that stuff sitting yeah. around. Yeah. It would be nice out there. Yeah, I think as long as I can just keep it warm enough. And but even there, uh, and they don't. I'm actually going to do a little bit of insulating on the north side of it, and because you know that's the side the sun doesn't come through anyway. So I'm going to block that off and insulate it a little bit, and try to just do everything I can to, you know, keep as hold as much heat in there as I can. Right. Yeah. 
it's a fun little experiment. Yeah. <laughs> well, today yeah. we're going to talk about uh, something related to what we talked about last or the last episode we did together. And we talked about closed loop systems uh, on your property. And we mentioned a couple of times ex- you could expand that that closed loop system to your community to you know, and, and expand your network a little bit. And as we talked a little bit after we done that podcast, we talked a little bit and we we thought of a few things. We thought, well, that might be a good episode because um, there's a lot of ways you can expand that system uh, in, into your neighborhood, into your local community that really make it really in a lot of ways takes homesteading to the next level, especially for for small scale homesteads like our, ours. I would say, especially if you're uh, an urban homesteader, suburban homesteader, or just have a you know acre or less, maybe uh, rural homestead, um, if you can connect with a lot of other homesteaders in your area and and network that and involve that in your closed loop systems, it it just it just uh, makes you that much more. Um, I'll, I'll use the word self-sufficient, but really, I guess it would be community sufficient. Right. Uh, makes you more resilient. Uh, I, I just think it offers a lot to the homesteader, uh, to a to a community of homesteaders to expand that that system. So today we're going to talk about how that would work, maybe some ideas on how you could make that happen and um, maybe get that started in your area, wherever you're at, you know, wherever somebody's at in their homestead. Maybe you're the person that's going to spark that and you're going to get with some people in your area and you're going to make that happen. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So the first thing I think we'll talk about is sharing labor. When you expand that closed loop system, you can actually uh, get help and help other people uh, with their homesteads. And I think that's huge. I mean, uh, the phrase, many hands make light work. Well, I've had some jobs where I could have used a few more hands on. How about you? Oh, yes. Lots of them, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I used to do something like that similar at church. It was, it was, Mostly the men did it. They called it the hairy chested man project. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, we used to do that at church, but a lot of times the women started going along too. So we would, everybody in the church had like a big project that they needed to get done. And sometimes it was a roof, like yeah. a new roof on a house or mm-hmm. I can't remember. There's other times it was like a new, I think there was, we did a deck. <clears throat> I'm trying to remember all the things, but Literally, everybody from the church would go and we'd get it done in like one day. Yeah, it kind of falls in the vein of a of an old Amish uh, yeah, barn raising yeah. or something. You exactly. bring everybody together and make it happen. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's great. easier to give of your time than it was to accept the help. Yes. <laughs> we talked a little bit about that last time, how it's it's real easy for me to go over and help somebody else. It's very hard for me to ask for help. Yes. Um but I think if you build a community with the understanding that that's part of what you're doing, what you're trying to accomplish, you know, if it's just randomly calling somebody and say, hey, could you help me with this? I need, a, I need a hand, you know, or whatever. That's different. But if you intentionally put something together and you got with a group of other homesteaders and you said, hey, let's form a little, you know, I, there's a lot of these communal projects where people live in right. community yeah. with each other. And it's. It's like that, but I think better because in in a way, because when you form a, a communal living situation, there's a lot of issues you're dealing with, with yeah. just relationships and whatnot. This is separate in that way. So you, you run your homestead the way you want, but you can still um, have that communal thinking in, in the sense that you help one another and that you 
you know, and, and if everybody knows that going in, it's easier, I think, to yeah. to ask for, you know, take your turn at receiving the help, especially if you've been there for everybody like, else. Um, we didn't we weren't this organized when we did it at church because it wasn't we were it was a very small church. But I think you would almost have to like maybe everybody decide on a project kind yeah. of to force people to, yes, you're going to accept the friend, the help of your friends because you're going to be giving the help. So you just come up with this list of what you need done at your house this year and mm-hmm. everybody does that. And then you pick the projects. Yeah. I could see getting together and having maybe a quarterly meeting or something and yeah. say, you know, who's yeah. got projects going on and then have a list and say, okay, this date we're going to work at Harold's house and this date we're going to work at, you know, Roy's house or whatever, and just have a, uh, have a you know a set to where you're taking turns and everybody's showing up and you know maybe not everybody can go to every one of them but you know I think it could be a pretty uh, pretty neat yeah. way to expand that network and 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 get bigger projects done quicker. Um, you do, you do. And yeah, I think that you get um, at least with our even within our very small church at the time you got a lot of people that somebody was skilled in carpentry and another person was maybe a little bit better at plumbing and another person was really good at painting and another person had done brickwork before it you kind of combined all that and that whoever that was was the person that would kind of at that time take control and say okay no no you have to make sure the bricks are level over here and Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i think we're talking right now about these big projects where a group right. of people come together and 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 accomplish some big project. But I think on a work exchange level, you could say, okay, I've got a, I've got the skill of say, you know, uh, building carpenter skills. You've got mechanic skills. Okay, now we don't need ten people involved in this, but you've got a small carpentry project. Hey, let me come over and help you. And you're right. a good mechanic. Why don't you come over and help me fix my pickup truck or fix my rototiller or whatever. And we kind of just one-on-one work exchange. Yeah, and so it's not this big group of people showing up, but it's yeah. one-on-one group work exchanges. Yeah. I think it that's doesn't even have to be like, I think of like the old school quilting bees. Yes. Yeah. Or um, old school. Now I have done this where you make like sauerkraut with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You get, get together, together like 20 people and you just hammer yeah. out a bunch of sauerkraut and everybody would go home with a five gallon bucket or two of sauerkraut mm-hmm. to ferment. And, you know, you could do it with canning. I've done this with butchering when we. Yeah, I was going to say processing too. Processing. Um, yeah. Done that with. Um, yep. It's actually how I learned how to butcher. I had no idea, but I just showed up at one of those. And um, that was my duck feather. Story mm-hmm. that I tell with the duck feathers everywhere, but um, I had no idea what I was doing. But I showed up because I wanted to learn, and I went home with some ducks. I know a lot of uh, farms that do that with chicken processing days. They'll have like two hundred chickens to process. Well, you come help out for the day, and you leave with a chicken. You know, you, they'll, you get to learn how to do it. Plus, you get to leave with a one or two chickens or whatever you know for your labor for coming in and, and working. And, and I think that's a really good way to to do that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think planting fields. I remember um, a couple of years ago, we had a friend, a bunch of people showed up and we planted, um, I think it was corn and pumpkins hmm. and squash. Like, I can't remember. It was huge field, though, probably 20 acres that we wow. planted. We got it done and like, it was unbelievable. There was probably 40 people that showed up. Yeah. Maybe a little less. And we got that done in, before noon. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to go through and talk 
about different things first, but at the end, after we're done, I want to talk maybe about some ways we can actually help people facilitate this. But yeah. so I don't want to, I'm, I'm mentioning that now because I'm tempted to jump in and do it, it before we kind of mention the, uh, the, the, the skills or the things that you can share. Um, yeah. So planting, harvesting. Yeah. Quilting bees, you know, lots of stuff. Putting in a garden. I mean, just yeah. digging a garden for the first time. Everybody shows up with the rototillers and starts tearing it up or whatever, or just starts coming in and putting down cardboard. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier about perma blitzes, and you said you didn't ever had never heard of those. But it's when a, a bunch of permies get together and and you know and and work on a property. Okay. Uh, matter, matter of fact, I'll put a link in the um, the show notes about uh, kind of how to organize a perma blitz. But it's for a bunch of people who are really interested in, in permaculture, and they sh- you know and you kind of organize a day where everybody comes in, puts in the swells, digs the areas. I mean, does everything, start planting the trees, putting in the the the, the guilds, do everything all in one day or one weekend or whatever, and it's done. You know, they'll come in with cardboard and and mulch and. You know, you just got a, a 10, 12, 15 people come in and just blast a yard out, especially in urban and suburban communities yeah, and, think, and get it done. I think Nicole Sauce and is doing that, that this weekend at her place. I think it was last weekend they actually maybe, maybe did that. Weekend. Yeah, I food forest. They were putting in a food forest. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's something that's so cool to do these permablitzes, but it, it kind of works on just the homesteading level. I mean, if you're not a, a permaculture person, I mean, it can be the same exact thing on, on this level. Yeah. And what's cool about this is when you gather a bunch of people around to do a bunch of different jobs all at once like that, you're going to just one of the natural things that happens is you learn some skills that maybe you didn't know how to do. Uh, Somebody shows up and starts building something. You're kind of witnessing that you're learning how to build something. You're learning how to plant trees properly. You're learning how to do things while they're helping you do it. And and that's just a side benefit of it really, which is really cool. Um, And you get create friendships and community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's excitement. I mean, you can go, Oh, everybody gets all excited and they're like, oh, your farm's next and your farm's next. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it becomes such a good time doing something like that. You can't wait for the next project to go help somebody do it. Yeah, absolutely. But labor is not the only thing that you can really share. It's a big one. And I mean, it's something that we think of first because we think of these projects that are huge, but just sharing food. I mean, yeah. you you grow something that I don't grow. I grow something you don't grow. Guess what? We can We can trade. We can right. just trade those uh, uh, can for can or, you know, jar for jar or whatever, you know, and 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 have it uh, swap. That way you don't have to grow everything on your little homestead. You can pick. And if you and, and the thing is, if you can organize this right, you can get together and kind of plan out. It, it's one thing to plan out your garden, but get a few people together and plan it out in a community sense and say, you're going to grow that. And we're going to grow this. And we're just going to. You know, we're going to grow more than we need. We're going to grow enough for four families of this. You're going to grow enough for four families of that. Now we can trade those things. And that's actually easier than growing a bunch of little beds of little bits of things, you know, sometimes to just put in big, long rows of something. Yeah. I mean, I think of that like, um, you know, an orchard, somebody that has is really good at trees. They could trade with somebody that's really good with growing potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a ton of pears, you know, we get a lot more pears than I can even eat on our pear trees, you know, and somebody out you know, out there is growing something else. Yeah, I can trade those pairs for for that. And yeah, it's just a it's just a great way to look at it. But it isn't just produce either. It's animals as well. Yeah. Um, I actually have an experience with that because I raise rabbits and quail. But I know a guy who raises pigs and chickens and he likes rabbit. And we've actually traded rabbits for pork, which is amazing. I'll do that all day long, you know. Right, so we yeah. we actually got, and I gotta tell you. 
he's pretty generous with it too. He gives me way more pounds in pork than I give him in pounds in rabbit. He really does. Yeah. But we do that. We've done that a couple of years in a row. And that's pretty neat when you can find somebody willing to do that. Um, so, you know, even when it comes to livestock, you can get different meats for what you're raising, you know, and swap out. And, uh, so not everybody can raise everything, but somebody right. can raise something usually. Well, you could trade your pears for some pork too. Yeah, absolutely. Pears yeah, absolutely. Pears. Yeah. And you yeah. can do egg trades and all kinds of yeah. things. I mean, you're just a lot you can do there. So yeah, trading, trading food, I think is a, is a way that you could definitely become way more self-sufficient. Um, also trading food for livestock you need something to feed your animals and now i could maybe right. you know trade you you know a few bushels of pears or apples or something for you know a few bales of something to feed my animals through the winter you know right. yeah. you know somebody who has a bigger piece of property it's actually you know maybe a hay field or something so i mean there's just you can think outside the box and expand your community yeah. even on those levels friends right now well a lot of bakers um a lot of people grow pigs that i'm friends with and they right now are going and picking up huge amounts of pumpkins out of fields mm, yeah trade pumpkins for pork later when yeah pigs, yep. you know stuff yeah well you mentioned last week about uh the leaves the leaves with your neighbors you know taking their leaves and yeah doing yeah. things so yeah even even stuff like that for your compost, compost you could even do some yeah. trading with and stuff trading a little labor for the leaves or whatever you know and and getting that so i mean it doesn't have to be one for one i mean it could be like i said we could do a labor share for food share food share for labor whatever you gotta it, think outside the box so the neighbors be the neighbors we have some neighbors that are gone for a little bit and we're watching their house and in trade for that his family are beef farmers they're giving us beef there you go just yeah. watching their house. Yeah. Or if they had like animals to take care of, you know, say, hey, can you come, you know, milk my cow or feed my chickens or whatever for a week while we're gone? After, yeah, hey, when we butcher the, when we process the chickens this year, we can give you a couple chickens for doing that or something. I mean, it's just things like that, you know, and and that it's not a hard thing to do. It's pretty easy. And and people are usually pretty generous with with sharing like that i mean especially the homesteader community because that's just the way homesteaders are that's <laughs> the way i it's experience i have with homesteaders anyway maybe there's some well, out there that are greedy but town, so you know thinking outside the box a little bit if you live in town or in an apartment and you don't have a lot to give mm -hmm. one of the things you can give is time what if you like to bake so you mm -hmm. you got a busy homesteader that maybe you could bake bread and trade eggs with them you could yeah you know there's all sorts you could trade time or i used to go and uh do some work on this farm just on the weekends like for a few hours to get hunting permission in this guy's woods okay and i'm thinking that right there it's a homestead homestead provision you know i would go out there and deer hunt squirrel hunt and everything else and and you know i would trade you know maybe 10 hours of labor you know every couple of weeks or something i'd go out there and help he'd have a project say hey, come out here and do this and yeah you got access to it now i wish he still lived there <laughs> he sold the farm and moved yeah. away because i i loved hunting there i mean it was a great place to hunt he had i don't even know how big that woods was maybe 80 acres or something of a woods and it was great hunting and and i loved it right. and uh but yeah uh that that's another thing you can do you could even think beyond just the gardens and the, your orchards and your, oh, yeah. you know, things like that. Think, think about hunting and trapping. And I mean, there's other yeah. things um, that are homestead related. People that trade baking for yeah. labor. Yeah. A uh, couple of my friends make actually make very beautiful, like birthday cakes and wedding cakes. Mm -hmm. And they've traded that for somebody to come and move stuff on their farm. Yeah. Or, yeah. 
I actually, uh, a friend of mine actually had a, he has a little mowing business and he used to mow this, uh, uh, these people's property. And they had a, I don't know, probably a five acre lake or pond on their property. And it had huge bass and stuff in there. And he'd mow their yard for free to be able to fish in their pond. They, he could come out anytime he wanted and fish and he'd bring his family out there and they'd set up a tent out there and actually camp and fish. I have fish in my pond. Somebody can mow my yard. There you go. And get them out there and do some work for fishing. I, I mean, it's just things like that. I mean, it's a little, it is definitely a, a, another step into that closed loop, but it's stuff yeah. that you can think of and, and that, you know, you can make, make that network of community of local community and, and involve it in your closed loop system. It, it, yeah. it isn't so closed loop anymore, but it, it opts you out of the bigger loop. The, the the actual right. food system, the, the buying stuff across the country, coming from across the world, and and it makes it more local and and it and creates community so that yes. when something happens, the community is there to help lift people up. We just have lost that, I think, that sense of community, that neighborly yeah. everybody misses the days when um grandma and grandpa sat on the porch and snapped beans. And this is kind of bringing that back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling you that there's a, we're both little house on the prairie fans. You more so yes. the books, but I used to watch, I mean, I used to watch the TV show all the time. Even I loved it, you know, uh, back when I was a kid, I loved it, but it's, I think it's the very, first, it's not the, there's, there's kind of two first episodes. There's the one where they're actually in a different place and then they move to Walnut Grove and they land, but it's, I think it's the first episode in Walnut Grove. Anyway, um, it's called a harvest of friends. And the whole premise of that one is that he's, working a job trying to he's trading some labor for some seed to plant his fields and you know charles ingles and 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 uh he ends up falling out of a tree flying a kite with his kids because he climbs up to get a tree get the kite out of the tree and i won't get into the whole story but anyway he hurts his back can't finish the job and he's gonna lose the deal you know lose the seed well he they had just moved to walnut grove you know and they've been there a few months and he's made all these friends because he's been helping people out. He's been, you know, just building friendships already, you know, and helping people in every chance he gets. And they're just a wonderful addition to the community. And because he's been like that, when he hurts himself, all these people show up. They finish the job for him. They actually go out and finish yeah. his fields for him and plant the seed. And, you know, it's a harvest of friends. And and they said, exactly. yeah, in the closing, it's like, you know, he, he reaped a harvest that he didn't even know he planted because, you know, he built all these friendships in this community. And I think that that's something that we should all strive for as homesteaders to build that, right. that to harvest those friends, you know, and plant those seeds of those friendships and, and then harvest from that, you know, and, and yeah. be there when we need it. Yeah. I mean, we, we not only foster the friendship, but I mean, you get everybody's heads together and you've got... If you've got a problem, mm -hmm. you just learn so much from everybody. You learn from the, the guy that's really good at trees to the person that breeds tomatoes. I mean, you just learn so much in those together times. And yeah, you know, I absolutely. really enjoy them. But I do have to like, I think it's not uncommon for homesteaders to be a little bit introverted. So yeah. I kind of have to force myself to go to those. And it's hard because you're busy. you got this long to-do list. Mm -hmm. But um, every time I make myself go and do something like this. I, you know, it's always amazing. Absolutely. And and I think that um, it's something I've not been very good at, but it's something, it, this is funny because, well, now I'm not gonna get to this yet because I want to talk about the, the kind of facilitating in a minute. So I'm not going to go there yet. So anyway, uh, we talk about labor share. We talk about food share. 
Another thing we thought of was tool share, um, make our tools and equipment, you know, making it available to a community because everybody's got different stuff. You know, uh, I had this really good friend named Chuck. I actually haven't seen him in a long time, but he used to borrow my pickup truck all the time. Like he was calling me, Hey man, I, I'm doing something this week. Can I use your truck? I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, finally he did this maybe, I don't know, several times, 10 times or something over a summer. And I went, Chuck, you need a truck. And he's like, I don't need a truck. And I said, you definitely need a truck. You've borrowed my truck 10 times. He goes, I don't need a truck because I got this friend named Harold and he has a truck. And I was like, touche, you're right. You don't need a truck. You can borrow my truck anytime. And it's like that with tools and equipment. We, you have some things, you know, and and if you're willing to share and you get around another group of people who are willing to share, you don't have to all have everything. You, yeah. you can use that in community and it saves a lot of money. It makes a lot of tools available. And it, it's just, it's just good stewardship really right. uh, with your money, your finances and be able to, because tools and equipment are expensive. And if, especially if it's something you're only going to use maybe once or twice a year or once or twice right. every few years or something, you know, um, there's no sense in really uh, having all that stuff. Um, so yeah. I think that tools are, are something and equipment or something that uh, are great to include in that make available for that. And, uh, there are things called tool libraries and maker spaces that yeah, are more I for whole communities. The libraries, because I found those, like a stuff library, a tool library. Mm-hmm. I, we have some of those at our, um, our library lends out a few. Really? See, I don't even know if ours does that. They have a seed ours library has, there, but um, it had it has a sewing machine and really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah, but I was thinking as far as homesteading stuff. I mean, the things that you you could use with this and if you planned it well enough which we're going to get into i guess but it's <laughs> like a plucker and a meat grinder um if you get really good ones those are expensive mm-hmm. i uh the same people that gave me the mushrooms have this huge trailered like it's actually its own trailer wood chipper mm-hmm. like huge yeah yeah those are great yeah that we could borrow and Throw a whole like, tree in there and it grinds it up yeah. But yeah, yeah. So stuff like that, like, you, you know, there's there's just so many of those things that are really big ticket items that you don't necessarily use every. Like I have some equipment that I've loaned out to people like I have a welder, you know, and then there's right. people who it's not something that everybody, you know, has or wants, you know, but something right. breaks, it's metal. You need to weld something rather than go buy a new something if you just have a crack in something or whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you have a friend that has a welder, it's great to have, you know, and I'm always willing to loan mine out and let somebody use it if they know what they're doing or I'll do it for them, yeah. you know, but, um, and I'm thinking about like, this is funny because I had a plumbing issue one time where I had a sewer pipe clog up bad. Like I, everything I'd done, I could not get it to bust loose. I'm hitting it with rams. I'm running a, I got an auger ran down through there and it would not go past it. And I'm like, what is down there? You know, well, I figured it out, but I thought, now where is it exactly? And in what position is it in? It ended up being the actual, uh, in the floor of my basement, I have like a, oh, a, no. a drain, but it has like one of them expansion rubber things that seal it up. So where nothing goes down and it seals it. Anyway, that thing came apart and actually went down the pipe and plugged up my pipe. And it was a perfect fit too. I mean, it jammed in there and it wasn't going nowhere. And uh, I didn't know what it was. I was like, I don't know what's under there. But the, what, how I found out was I bought one of them scope cameras, like oh, 50 yeah. foot. And I ran it down through there and hit it on your computer. And you can see the camera all the way down through there. And and that's something like, that's one of them tools that like, who needs that? And how often do you need that? Right. You know, yeah. but 
somebody might need that and you have it available, you know, it's just, it's just so the littlest things like that, that, you know, not everybody has, but now they have to run out and buy that. It's a hundred bucks or whatever they got to spend. But, you know, Harold's got one of those. I can just call him. Not only do you have to buy it, then you have to store it. Yeah. Right. Right now, like as a small homestead and we're not even that big, we have storage problems. (laughs) Because yeah. Oh, I do too. I yeah. have my canning stuff. I have. Mm-hmm. You know, we do butcher our own deer and stuff when we get them. So we've got we've got the meat grinder, but we have a we have a meat slicer. I mean, just you just start to accumulate yeah. this stuff, and then you know, then that's what that's just the in house tools. Then we have the garage tools. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and but somebody else has got things you don't have, and now you're going to go out and buy those things. But if you had a community, if you had a network of people that you knew what they had, right. uh, exactly. it could be that you could be better stewards with your money and borrow that item and uh, make better use of it, too. Because some of this stuff, I mean, it lasts forever. It doesn't really wear out or anything. Some of these things are just stuff that just doesn't get used that often. You know, it's, uh, some things it's actually harder on them just sitting around not getting used than if you would actually put them to use, you know. Yeah. And if you get enough people doing something like this, you don't feel bad about maybe instead of buying the Walmart cheapy meat grinder, you spend a little bit more money getting the one that's nicer. Yeah. That will live longer. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe you get the Hobart instead of the Walmart special, you know? Yeah. And it does It does bring the point up of, okay, well, what if I loan it to Fred over here and he breaks it? Yeah. Now what? And that's something you have to work out ahead of time. I mean, you have to be willing to maybe fix it or get it fixed or, or buy a new one if something like that happens. I mean, the bottom line is if he would, you wouldn't have had access to that, you would have had to go buy one anyway. Right. Now, if it breaks under your watch, you broke it. I mean, the right thing to do is to replace it or at least replace the parts that broke or something. So, I mean, it's something you definitely want to work out in your community, you know. Exactly. And if you have a chronic abuser, you're going to have to have it's I think if you're going to be doing something, especially with like larger equipment, that's quite expensive. You're obviously going to have to work out something together and say, well, how are we all going to deal with this if something like this happens? And or if something somebody chronically returns things in disrepair or dirty. Yeah. You know, yeah. how, how many times do we address this before we just kind of don't allow them to be part of this anymore? Yeah, and, um, right. One way around that, though, I guess we're going to go into the facilitation part of yeah. all this. Um, but one way around that on the facil- facilitating part would be doing community purchasing. If you say you have yeah. 10 families or five families, um, buy it together. I'll take a piece of it and the person with the most room can store it. But, hey, we're all going to use that, you know, and uh, I think. You know, and on big, there's some big items where you could do that. I mean, it's really expensive um, that, you know, you could you could definitely uh, purchase that as a community. Again, you would have it's kind of like that a mixture of that communal living atmosphere, but you're separate. You're not having to deal with each other's garbage. There you go. Yeah, you're you're your own your your own homestead. But there are some things that you're kind of communal uh, uh living in, in that way you know with the with the purchasing and there's there's obviously this could lead to issues they have to be people who are like-minded they have people you really get along you know if you're just going to do this with a bunch of strangers and and not get take the time to really get to know them first i wouldn't be you know purchasing right. things in community like that but if these are some of your closest friends and you've known right. them for years 
you know, I mean, it's your call, but I wouldn't hesitate on that with the closest of my friends. You know, that's the reason they're my friends. If there's, if I can't trust somebody, I don't want to be their friend. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, I mean, and, and somebody's going to have to be good with logistics and um, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe together as a group, you have 10 people and you all want to yeah. do chickens. Well, so-and-so is going to have to buy their chickens. So they're ready this week and the next person will have theirs ready the next yeah. week. And, you know, you're going to have to somehow figure that or you have them all done at the same time and then you function stack. And yeah. Go, oh, okay. We're going to share the plucker and the meat grinder all at the same time. And we're going to all get together and butcher our birds together. Bring them over to my house. Let's get after yeah. it. That's right. Yeah. Do all of these together in the same to do day. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, it could work. And I think the way the maker spaces do them, and this is an option, I don't know if it's one I would opt for, is people pay deposits. Mm-hmm. And then the deposits refunded when it's returned in working order type of thing. Yeah, That's yeah. more if you this get is, involved in a situation where you don't know very many people and right. but you still want to do something like this. Well, it was funny because when we had this little conversation after we recorded last week on our podcast last week, um, I immediately, I mean, I, I got kind of excited thinking about some stuff. And the next day I actually talked to a friend of mine on the phone and uh, who's local here. He's a homesteader. And um, we just started like just thinking about like, wow, we should really do this. We should, you know, this winter, we should really try to get a few of these families together here locally. And, and uh, we should try to kind of facilitate this. And we started thinking about maybe ways that could happen. And um, I, I was a, there was a church I was going to years ago and I was a deacon in this church. Well, one of the jobs of the deacons was kind of like to, to to be there for help, you know, to help get people help if they needed help for something. And we kind of, our church kind of went beyond and above on that. And we put these folders together. We had all the church members who were willing to, to fill out this form we gave them. And in this form, it was like, what skills do you have that you're willing to share? Oh. What tools do you have that you're willing to share? All these things. And and it was just, a, we just did like this form, you know? And, and then we had a book where we put all their, all this in a book where we could like, oh, this person's having this trouble right now. I wonder who in our book has a skill in that or who has that tool. And we would go through and look and we'd give them a call and then we'd connect those two people if That's they were willing to do it. And it worked really well. And I got to thinking about, how do you do that on a homesteading level? Well, you could easily put together a binder of everybody's listing of anything they're willing to share and, and any skills they have and any you know labors that they're willing to do and put that in a folder and everybody in that, say you got seven, eight families in that, and everybody gets a binder. And now they could actually call the other person and say, hey, man, I, I see you're in the, the binder with this uh, tool. Uh, is that available or you still have that? Or, you know, is it something I can use and, you know, work it out or, uh, you know, something like that. I mean, you could put together these these folders for everybody that, that has all this information and you could update it once a year with new tools that have been purchased or whatever. And, and you know, every year just send out the forms again. Say, is there anything you'd like to add to this? You know, any new skills you developed or is there any new tools you have that you're willing to share? And I think that is something that would be pretty uh, non-invasive but yet really easy to facilitate, you know what I mean? And and make it available. I think that sounds like a really good idea. And you could like start that with like, I I think you kind of have to decide your radius or people have to decide Mm -hmm. how far they want to travel or something like this. Um, And you could start it with like a homestead meetup that you find all the homesteaders Mm -hmm. within a certain radius, whatever works for you. And then, you could start like a Facebook group and that could be a start of this yeah. and you can then 
create a time that you actually get together and meet together in person and kind of yep. start this. And and now is the perfect time to start thinking about this stuff as winter's coming. Yeah, absolutely. I, that's what we were talking about. Uh, a friend of mine is, you know, this winter, there'd be a great opportunity to, to get some of these families together, sit down, say, what do you think? And just, just you know, just kind of spitball some, some ideas and see if we can't actually make something happen. Because I just don't feel like I do enough locally. I mean, we're, you and I both, we're on everything. We're showing up on other podcasts and videos and we're doing this and we're, you know, you know, I wrote a book once, you know, I'm trying to you know, hit it people everywhere, but how much am I doing locally? You know, and I want to be more involved locally because that's where your real sustainability and self-sufficiency is going to matter. If anything ever yes. really happens is locally. Burnout too. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so many homesteaders get burned out and exhausted because we try to do it all ourselves. Yes. And, yeah. um, and even if you're tired, something about doing something together as a group of people, you just find the energy mm-hmm. yeah. to finish a project. Or, um, you know, we had a local farmer, actually, one of our friends hurt his leg really bad. It was a freak accident and um, broke his leg. I can't even remember how many places, several places. And it was right before planting season. And this was that 20 acre plot that we mm-hmm. planted with corn and squash and we planted it in like four hours yeah that's awesome it's it's amazing what you can do when you do things together and it's so much more enjoyable and i think that's you know one of the uh, the amish do that really well yeah they you know that community thing i think the binder idea and and even you could do you could do online documents whatever but i think it would expand beyond just like the tool library or the skills i mean you know you could actually involve like what we're going to grow with the food shares you could actually have your you know, who's growing what in there, you know, that we can, we're willing to trade who has this meat that they'll be willing to trade for that meat who has, you know, um, what days maybe are you available normally to, to help on a project? You could actually facilitate to yeah. use the binders to kind of facilitate, I think facilitate the some of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the binder thing is like, that is a phenomenal idea. I think, I, I think in, you could do both. You could do online stuff and then also have a binder too. But it'd be just neat to grab that like an old school phone book almost and look up Farmer Fred over on my homestead and give him a call because he's got the tool I need for that. So, hey, you know, or, you know, but then maybe you could have maybe two or three people who are maybe more focused on the community activities. Say, you know, these two people here, the people who are going to try to facilitate the, the the group workings you know when you got a job you call one of those guys they're going to send out one of those people and they're going to send out the information to everybody and say who's willing to be involved in this or who's able to uh because he's got this big project and he's going to need you know five or eight people um who's willing to jump in and help him with that you know and then right, the, exactly. yeah and i think there's just a, a i think that this is something that would even when it comes down to introverts and people who aren't real people, people, this is something that wouldn't be that hard to really do, uh, especially if you could just make the phone calls and get people at a local meeting first and just kind of get to know everybody. Now we're all friends. Let's make this happen. You know, I mean, we're talking about the lending library, doing it together as homesteaders, but you can do this. You could put everything in there. You could put what products your farm, if you sell them or even if you Mm. don't sell them, but we, Every year, say, somebody grows corn. Well, you look through that little binder and you're like, our corn did not do good this year. This binder, oh, so-and-so always grows corn. Maybe I can call them. Yeah. And they would like some of my potatoes and Mm -hmm. I can get some corn because mine didn't do good. Yeah. Or 
so-and-so likes to knit and I need to buy some gifts for grandma for Christmas. Maybe grandma, maybe grandma, maybe she would want to trade some knit washcloths. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you get the skills are, yeah, the skills yeah. And, the, and the products are endless that you could work out trades with and bartering. And it just builds this community of people yeah. that are going to know each other. They're going to help each other whenever they get it, they get an opportunity. And again, this is an expanded closed loop system, yeah. but it's not so expanded that it's outside of your, your territory. I mean, I think, you know, 10, 15 mile radius, maybe 20 miles. I don't know. It depends. You, you could work it that out. On your area. Some areas. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you're living in, you know, uh, you know, Montana, you're probably going to have to go 50 mile radius or hundred mile radius around here. It's, you know, it's probably like, I mean, there's a five mile radius here. There's a lot of people doing that, you know, um, you know, but I think a 10 mile radius in my area would be pretty good. You know, yeah, you're covering unicorn, the whole County pretty much. So. What's, what was that? I'm a unicorn where I'm at. So I have to have <laughs> mine stretched a little further, probably. Well, Probably 40 miles would be good. I, I would say on urban homesteaders, there's a lot of people I think that are, Here's the thing. There's a lot of people growing food in their yards. There's a lot of people doing things here in, in the urban environment, and they don't call themselves homesteaders because they think, oh, one day I want to be a homesteader right. when I get 20 acres, you know, but they don't consider what they're doing homesteading right now. I think these are the people that that would be really important to reach out to because they're people who don't really think in a bigger scale of what they're doing, how important it is, you know, and uh, I think you could help them realize the potential of what they're doing even in their yard, like that friend of mine I was talking about, he'll probably listen to this because I think he listens to this podcast, but he don't do a ton of stuff. They have a garden. They don't have any livestock right now. He lives in town. He's got probably a quarter acre. Um, His wife is phenomenal at like preserving things. She's really big into canning and preserving and things like that. So, I mean, they've got some skills, Um, but I don't know that they would call themselves homesteaders because they're in town, you know, and it's like, but I told him that you guys are, you know, yeah. And there's so much more you could be doing, but even if you didn't want to, when you do what you're doing in a community of people who are doing the same thing, now you're doing a lot, you know? Yeah. Well, here it's, it's not even common for people to have a garden here. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why. So you're probably going to start contacting people. And if you're building something like this in your area, it's probably going to be people with maybe five acres or something around you. I'm trying to get people to garden and more, more and more people are getting interested in it. Yeah. In that area, but it's not that common i think a lot of people wonder if it's worth it on a small property yes can i do enough to even make a difference and they think it just isn't enough you know um and i think if you can convince them that especially with this network of people doing it now it's really worth it because if all you're doing is growing kale and all you're doing is growing tomatoes guess what you can trade right. some of each to each person and you got both. Now you got two crops and you didn't grow any extra. You didn't grow anything more well, or any different. All you want to grow is flowers, but I would like some flowers for my table. Yeah. I can trade tomatoes for your flowers. I there mean, you it go. It doesn't even have to be edible. Yeah. Or just some thing you're making. Say you're making soap. A lot of people are into soap making, you know, they don't even homestead. They just make soap. They let, they have, my daughter makes soap. She has a blast doing it. She just has fun with it. She, she, it ain't got nothing to do with homesteading. She just loves to make soap, you know, but you got people like that and trade your soap for some tomatoes or whatever, you know, I mean, that's, that's great. Um, Again, it's, I think that putting that community in touch with one another. And I think there's a lot, like there's just a, 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 an event that happened here in Indiana where I'm at. It's called, it was called the Indiana Homesteaders Conference. Um, 
I didn't go to it. I didn't even know about it until like three weeks before it was happening. I hadn't even heard. I don't even know how I didn't hear about it. And then all of a sudden I started seeing all this stuff about it and it was already sold out at that point. Oh no. And I was like, well, I would have went to that. That sounded great. Yeah. You know, I'm and, to myself, we need one of these. But anyway, I was looking at the Instagram on that. And now what's kind of wild is a bunch of people who went to that are starting their county homesteading groups. Nice. And it's, and it spawned from the state one, you know, and now there's, I, there hasn't been one started here in my county, I don't think yet, but I'm thinking there's a start right there. You could actually take that group and, and do that in these groups, in these county groups. And I think we're seeing another awakening of the homestead movement, kind of like the back to the land movement of the 70s. I think mm-hmm. we're kind of seeing that again right now. Yeah. It's surging. And now is the perfect time to start like stuff like this. And like you said, I mean. You don't even have to be a homesteader, but if you like to bake, if you like to knit, if you like to whatever, yeah. quilt, I don't know, make soap, you can still be a part of these. Yeah, absolutely. Be a part of these groups and the community. Or if you're just a person, you live in an apartment, but you grew up on a farm. Now you're living in an apartment and you're willing to help out on a farm. Right. Yeah. You know, or they're going to cut. Someday you want to get out. Or that they just go out and they, they trade some of their labor to put some food in the refrigerator. Right. You know, trade for some food, you know, their labor for some food. I mean, you could be involved in it with zero land and do that. Um, I I just think that there's so much opportunity when you expand that closed loop to your neighbors, to your to the people around you. Yeah. And uh, with, whether it's labor, food or tools or whatever else you can think of, I'm sure there's you know, there's other things that we're not thinking of that could be part of a community aspect in that. Right. And there's a few people, too, that like... um. Somebody might have a kitchen. There's a yeah. few people there here locally. There's a few places where there's a certified kitchen. Yeah. So if you wanted to make strawberry jam and sell it at the farmer's market, you could maybe use their certified kitchen to do that. Or you might have a, a local herbalist who's really knows, has some great knowledge as far as herbal remedies and making things. And, and you know what? You can get that person or you could even give them some of your herbs to make stuff or i mean there's just all kinds of things you could work out there yeah i think you could make this as big and as small as you want yeah yeah i think of course there's risks on both ends. if it's too small you accomplish less but if it's too big i think it's less personal and you don't know as people as well so i mean there's probably a middle ground there and i think it just depends on your area and maybe how good you are at networking (laughs) And how, you know, how good you can organize the the group. Um, I would think uh, an ideal group sounds like, you know, eight, 10, 12 families doing this sounds ideal. I mean, to me, Um, but it could be a lot more. uh, Well, I mean, you could turn it into like, you could make it into pods too. And like the eight, 10, 12 groups. And then like you were saying, you have your state one and then you have your county one. Yeah. You could make it a little bit smaller. Yeah, absolutely. You could somehow link all that together yeah you wanted to i mean there's people who are way better at facilitating things than i am but even even at that i think there's things that like this that would be pretty easy to 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 make it work out on a small scale especially like i said eight or ten families would not be hard to get together uh once a year fill out some forms this is what i'm willing to do hey let's be there for one another you know and there's just a security aspect to it too because if you know we've said i say it every other episode we're not doom and gloomers but the reality is something could happen someday you just don't know and how great would it be to have a local community and network of, of people right around you 
that are willing to come together and help one another if stuff ever hit the fan. You know what I mean? If you ran out of toilet paper. <laughs> that would never happen in the United States. What are you talking about? That could never happen. Years ago. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I'm being sarcastic because it did happen, didn't it? (laughs) But yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, seriously, what if somebody in your family got sick? I mean, it doesn't always have to be something that happens to the outside world. But if you had somebody in your, I mean, you've had your own battles with health. I've had my own Mm -hmm. battles with health. Yeah. What if somebody... You needed somebody's help, and then you can return the favor when you feel better. Last week, I threw my back out, and I was struggling around here for two or three days. Something like that. You need help. You throw your back out, and needs. Hey, could somebody come over here? There's, I mean, there is a bunch of firewood that needs to be stacked over here. I cannot do it. My back is out. Is there anybody that can help me stack this firewood over here? You know, something like that. Like that. And and, I mean, and and then the reality is something could happen for me right now. You know, we're not doom and gloomers, but I will tell you for me, because of our special foods, it's kind of been hard once in a while for me to find certain things because we have dietary restrictions. Mm -hmm. So we can't just switch. If you can't find this brand, we can't just switch to this kind of, I don't know. uh, Let me try to find an example. Our bread, for example, I make our own bread, but when I was buying my own bread and my Mm -hmm. We couldn't find a specific brand, and there was only one kind. But even if you're making your own bread, the flour, you can't find the flour that you need to make the bread that you need to make a special bread. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, those things are happening right Mm -hmm. now on a smaller scale, and they are affecting some people. I mean, some people are lucky that they can just switch to a different thing, but some of us aren't. And um, so that does happen. So to have these groups, you know, for me be able to call somebody up and say, hey, can do you have corn? Do you have any sorghum? Do you have buckwheat? Yeah. 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 Crisis doesn't just happen on a national level. It happens very personal and local to some areas. Right. And um, yeah, it, it could definitely be something you're facing. It's not, it's not unheard of, you know, not even, especially in the last couple of years, it's definitely not unheard of. Um, and I think there's just a level of protection and security even in this for your family to have this network of, of people. And uh, I know I would trust, um, I would feel a lot safer and have a lot more trust in if things went really haywire and right. local homesteaders that I know rather than the neighbors and that aren't doing anything, you know, or strangers or yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you think about, there's just so many examples, you know, you're, you have a barn fire you have Florida just had a huge hurricane. You know, I think what, I'm safe from hurricanes, but yeah, yeah. we are. But we had you, <laughs> we have tornadoes <laughs> bad around right, here. Yeah, you just had yeah. a recent podcast with your um your person that did fishing, and of course they live in Florida. Yeah, you know, yeah, they were affected. Yeah, yeah, having people come, having that group of people that can come and help you if their farm wasn't affected, if their homestead wasn't affected, mm-hmm. they can come and help you. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. We live in a world where things happen. And we also live in a world that isn't nearly as connected locally as it was decades ago. You know, used to you knew everybody in a certain mile radius of you. Now, I don't know people that live on my street. Yeah, we don't either. And that's crazy when you really think about it. (laughs) I mean, that's crazy. That that wouldn't have happened 50 years ago. People knew people, you know. Um, Yeah. The so good news it, is we have technology 
it's good and bad, right? Yeah, it can be a good thing and it can mm-hmm. be a bad thing. But if you know, you can use things like Facebook to create a community group yeah. because homesteaders are busy. You can. I mean, we actually have a Facebook. There's Facebook groups for like our little local area, and it's broken mm-hmm. into little areas, and people will. Yeah, give yeah, away I've a seen those. Or you know. Yeah. But, um. You can do something like you could use Facebook, you could use Google Docs, you could use whatever to do something like this. Yeah, you could. Uh, there's actually, and I don't know if they're willing to do it or not, but there's actually a new community out there for homesteaders called Free uh, Freesteading, I think I it's called. That. And I, I got in it, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, there's a lot of people in there already. There's actually a couple people in my county that are in there because you can join your state, your state group. I guess I have to get back on it because I was little confused by it yeah they don't have the app out yet i think they're still waiting on the app to get done it's i think it's close though and then once an app gets done that's going to be way better because right now you just kind of got to go on the website and and do it but i think once the app is released i think it's going to be awesome and uh, it's it has a really good little networking system in there now when it comes to building an actual community in there i think it has to go through like an approval like you have to fill out a form and they put it together for you and so i don't know at some point if it's going to be real easy just to do maybe something through there that might be and it might and because it's not something that's controlled like a facebook it might be a safer place to yes where you know facebook could just shut you down if they don't like what you're saying about butchering your animals or something um you know it's something like that it might be a, a good place to do it and i don't know if that's going to be a some i don't know how uh local uh the people who run that want to get with something like that but i mean who knows? It, you, you, those might be some kind of options you could use that would keep it more in this realm of, of homesteaders. Yeah. I think, you know, all this is easily doable. You can, I'm trying to think, I made a bunch of notes and I was looking to see if I had any. Yeah. Well, and, oh, I just thought of something. The other thing that you could do is like I was saying, we had a Facebook group, somebody was giving away a bike. You could have like that pile of goods. Well, I don't want this anymore. Yeah. You know? Like a yeah. trade thing here. Yeah. It's kind of like a free cycle, but uh, for homesteaders. Yeah. They go first. Yeah. Using this can like I thought I would or. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like I have a little, like I have this little electric rototiller that I don't ever use because it's like I've gotten to where I don't, I don't rototill anymore really, except unless I'm putting something new in. And if I'm putting something big and new in, I'm probably going to need something more than that little electric tiller you know right. who could use that though i mean somebody could use that to even put in a flower bed or something like that and it's like i don't need it who wants it you know come get it and, and it'd be better to do that in a community of homesteaders than it would be you know just yeah. to anybody i mean first to your homesteading yeah. community yeah i mean it could be oh i have this bag of yarn i thought i would use i'd never there you use go it. you know yeah it can be so many things um, or you're gonna or food too i mean say i put up you know, I put up a hundred jars of pears, you know, it's been a year and I've only ate 40 of them, you know? Okay. Who wants these before, you know, they start getting too old, you know, people say, Oh, I'll take them, you know, yeah, <laughs> just whatever. You could just give, give stuff away. Cause I'm, I've, I've been known to do that. Take one or two items and way overdo it with the preserving <laughs> pears keep coming to my mind. Uh, uh, grapes, uh, jelly. I, I, we generally eat all that, but I make, I wish I lived by you. I'd make some grapes. I'd make some grapes. <laughs> Always have a lot of grapes. Like there's a lot of grapes that go to waste because I don't even feel like making that much jelly. But they, you know, it, it, just things like that. I mean, you can just open right. your orchard up. Say we've picked everything we want. Who wants come to come over it. and pick the rest? Yes. It's yours. Come you know. It. I feel like that with well, that's what my my potatoes were like that this year. I'm like yeah. 
what am I ever going to do with all these potatoes? <laughs> yeah. And again, if you had your binder or your Facebook page, you could just put it out there or you could call individuals, you know, that don't have that. Say, hey, would you guys be interested in this? And, you know, I just think it would not be that hard to facilitate something like this and put it together. Okay. Even even for a person who is, you know, kind of an introvert, I'm not even a bit threatened by the idea of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it just sounds so easy because these it are my does. people. You know, I love talking to other homesteaders, even locally. Right. And and I just think it sounds like something I would actually enjoy being a part of, you know, not just feel like it's something all oh, you should do it. I think I would love it. I mean, it just sounds fun, if nothing else. Knowledge. I mean, say, so you said you have a welder. So that means you probably have some skills welding. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe somebody else has knife making skills that you want to learn but they want to learn welding you can you could do those things too yeah you're getting ready to do an interview with somebody who's a forager yes and and i my foraging skills aren't great when it comes to mushrooms and things like that i would love to have somebody in a community like that say oh i know every mushroom in this area i know what you can eat what you can't what it'll do and you know and and let that person take us out and show a few of us how to do something that's great i mean i think that would be awesome to have a community of people like that exactly i would rake their yard and mow their lawn if they could (laughs) take me to the woods to show me yes yeah I would be more than willing to share in some labor for that kind of education and their skill. Yeah, absolutely. So it can be skills and teaching too. And Mm -hmm. even if you think that you don't have a homesteading skill, there's so many skills that are homesteading in my opinion. Yeah. Like you said, yeah, needlework. Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. I feel like falls into that realm of homesteading. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just think that it's something Maybe some people want to maybe take some initiative and get started with this. I think it can only make you stronger, make your homestead, your homestead more sustainable. Um, I I don't see the only negatives I see in it is if you had some real losers in in a community like that, that were tearing stuff up or just would never show up to do their part when you showed up to do yours or, and I mean, there's a possibility of that. Um, But I think for the most part, most homesteaders are the kind of folks that will do what they say and, and you know, and be part of something like that. If they say they're going to be part of something like that. They'll, they'll do it. You know, they'll do what they'll do their share. Yep. Um, so I, I just think, you know, maybe get out there and take some chances, meet some people, do this. You know, uh, we dropped a few links in the, in the show notes of um, yeah, so on maker spaces, um, you know, tool libraries. A little bit. Yeah. And the one there's one from U of M where it talks about kind of how to facilitate something like a maker space. Yeah. Like a tool library or maker space. I put something yeah. in there about running your own permaculture blitz, which it doesn't have to be permaculture to be a blitz like that. It could be a homesteading blitz, you know, just yeah, show up and do that. a big homesteading job. Yeah. Um, there's a whole article in there from permaculture news on how to do that, how to facilitate something like that. And uh, so, yeah, check out those links. I think they're they're useful. Um, I I just feel like <laughs> I feel like it's something we as homesteaders should definitely be thinking about. Uh, and if nothing else, these last two or three years have really shown us yeah. that there that there is some reasons to network locally and be involved locally with things. Yeah. That's a good word. The network. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what we call this, but I feel like it's it's part of a closed loop system. Yeah. But it's not just your property. You know, it's right. it's, it's definitely expanding out a few miles into to, to people you can trust. So yeah. um, anything you'd like to add to this? I think that's about that's about it. I think I think I think it's a valuable uh, something valuable. I think homesteaders could take some 
some things here from. And, and you know what, folks, if you maybe can think of some other ways to facilitate something like this, or you think some other ideas uh, that would work in a, in a community like this, uh, jump in the homestead front porch and let's get a, a and, and just share your ideas in there. Our home, our Facebook group is the homestead front porch, Facebook group. Um, if you're not a member of that, uh, just uh, request to be a member, answer yes to a couple questions and you're in and uh, drop your, uh, drop your comments in there about this. As I, I think this is something as a community, as the, as the, the bigger community of homesteaders that we are in that group, um, we could probably brainstorm this a little bit and um, come up with even better ideas. I mean, this is just two, uh, two of us yeah. thinking this out. But if you get, you know, 27,000 of us thinking about this out, like it's in right. that group, yeah. we can come up with even better ideas. So, yeah, jump in there and share your ideas about this. I think it's a great thing. And I think it's something we should definitely be working on. For sure. This this could be really cool. Well, folks, until the uh, next episode, happy homesteading and God bless. And grow where you're planted. Looking around, I find the sea. I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee. My world, I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a modern homestead. Build a modern homestead. A lot of folks don't understand why I wanna live this way. They've never eaten from their land like we do here. Like Grandma did, sitting on her front porch, hunting and fishing like a kid. Once you've done all of your chores, it's a modern homestead. Build a modern homestead. Country or city, there's a way.